Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. And welcome again to Coaching Laid Bear Pod. We're delighted this week, myself and LJ, we're looking forward to this one, to welcome one of our great friends, Vicky, McCorm- Vicky McCormack, Vicky McQueen now, um, international player. I'm going to let LJ introduce her, founder of Diddy Rugby. But um, over to you, LJ, to introduce our guest today. Cheers, Bird. How are you? You all good, Bird? Uh, cracking, thanks, LJ. Nice and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> this morning. But with you two mums... You're yeah, feeling up, really fresh here, Bird. Up, up on a Sunday morning, we're loving it. Bring it on. Yeah, all good, Alge. You're looking great, Bird, I promise Thank you. Thank you. You, t- you too, Alge, as always. Um, yeah, really excited to have Maka on, on the uh, pod with us this week. Uh, just a little bit of history on her. Um, so she's played for England 34 times, so 34 caps for England, and also England sevens, 11 caps. Um, she's also... Um, uh, been a teacher for eight years but she was head of department actually you might have been a teacher for longer than eight years but you were head of department um at Radmore School in Hinckley so the physical education from 2005 to 2013 um you then founded Diddy Rugby which we were obviously really excited to chat to you about in 2015 you've got 28 franchises um and three are international in New Zealand Italy and Australia and also recently found in Diddy Sport also. Um, you've got some background in commentary as well, doing the Women's World Cup in 2006, 2010 and 2014. Um, you were also one of the first um, female commentators when you co-commentated for Radio Leicester um, again, for one of the Leicester Tiger games. Great, great team. <laughs> um, you've also ran the London Marathon, 2017 um you are also a level four rugby coach you also have a bem from the queen (laughs) in 2018 and to top it all off you're a mum to two boys max and harry what a great little boy you've got hey (laughs) great to see you vix emotional listening to all that actually i feel a little bit off is that, is that me? Yeah, it just sounds uh, it's a big list though, isn't it, when you write it all down. But no, thank you so much for welcoming me to the your pod. I think your pod's amazing, so I'm really looking forward to chatting to you both. Oh, Excellent. Thank you. We're really excited to have you on. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of questions we want to get through with you, so we're going to get straight into them. And the first question kind of talks wants to know a bit more about this journey you've been on. So we just want to get a bit of an idea of your kind of journey from playing into coaching and like how that kind of came about how are you both I need to know how you are oh. you're good <laughs> you're good it's early isn't it it's Sunday morning but it's early you both look amazing and it's uh I haven't seen you for a long time so it's nice to see you both um so where did my coaching journey start um well I was obviously a P teacher you've already mentioned LJ um for quite a long yeah. time and, and coaching was kind of part of what I did through my teaching I suppose um I do think there's a very close link between teaching and coaching as, as Bird knows as well um yeah. so I was a teacher for a long time and then obviously playing rugby um kind of just led itself to doing a bit of coaching as well and I was always 
so passionate about um, helping other people coming through. So like as the as I got older in the in the Red Roses as it was then, um, you could you know you using your coaching and realizing it with the younger players coming through, and I was always you know wanted to make sure they felt okay and that they were feel comfortable in the environment and all those things that so just kind of led itself to once I'd finished to try and get onto that coaching pathway. Um, also, I needed something when I finished because um, I just couldn't leave. I knew it wasn't going to leave rugby. I needed to stay in, in rugby in some way. So I just quickly got straight on my level two as soon as I finished my um, my, co- uh, my playing career. I was still playing for club, but I finished internationally. So I just jumped on the level two, quickly went to level three and then just got involved with the local Hinkley men's um, team to coach. And I was coaching at Litchfield women's team as well. And a bit of Loughborough at the same time. So, so yeah, yeah, I was just lucky that I had some opportunity straight away to get my hands straight onto coaching and didn't have too much of an emotional wreck from leaving the game because it was such a hard decision to retire anyway. Yeah. And uh, we we also coached together, didn't we, when we were at the, the old pathway stuff in the Midlands too, a bit of that as well. That was actually before. That was I think that might have been before. Hink- no, it was the same time as Hinkley Men's Team. Yeah, I so think yeah, it was Hinkley the same. Team. Yeah, and I met you, didn't I? There, that was yeah. yeah, that was amazing. The divisional, so coaching the Midlands side with you was my first um, representative uh, coaching. Yes, that was yeah. amazing. Um, first time I met you, and I just remember meeting you and thinking, "Wow, you're a good coach." Because it was like literally my first gig. You were my head coach. I was your assistant, yeah. and I and for me, I sort of saw this. Yeah, it was you. There was a woman in charge of me, and I was like, <laughs> "Wow, that, this is cool." And I think you know, for me, it was the first time I'd probably experienced that. You know women being in those roles apart from Giselle Mather who probably yeah. we'll talk about later on but she was one of my first coaches as well so so yeah that was a great experience learned a bit from you um then went through to the Hinkley men's learned a lot from my ex-PE teacher actually Paul Walsh um he was the director of rugby at Hinkley Rugby Club at the time and he was a real good mentor for me through my level three um Dave Fraser at the RFU helped me out as well and yeah I just had loads of really good people around me that were just very supportive um yeah. Co- coaching my husband at the time as well which was interesting um, <laughs> but yeah <a> lot of- <laughs> I was, especially when pregnant and he he, uh, he wasn't too happy at someone positioning at some points on the pitch but um but yeah it's a lot lots of barriers to faces I think as, as a woman particularly coaching but yeah it was a uh, it's been an amazing journey and I've learned so much along the way and then um, just touch a little bit now on that journey from your teaching into setting up Diddy Rugby like what was your kind of motivation to to start that journey quite a few factors really um but basically I yeah when I went into teaching loved coaching PE you know my my passion is everyone should be healthy and active and fit and I've always had a great experience for myself from from sport Uh, you know I had supportive parents at a young age I was a swimmer originally um so that was a lot of um training times as swimmers back then and now there's a bit of land training involved now I think it was at the point I was just up and down the pool like seven times a week um my mum was taking me to everything galas and I moved to basketball so I just had a great um experience of PE and and youth sport so I wanted to give that back so teaching was definitely you know something I was certainly going to go into but I always felt probably a little bit trapped by the system almost in teaching like I wanted to make a bigger difference than I could I was, yeah. you know, yeah, making a difference in Hinkley, you know, to, to, to the high school there. But when I fulfilled my school sports coordinator role, I had more of an overseeing um, over the primary schools. And I felt like I really had more, um, I don't know, more to offer. And I could give more because I, there was a wider range of primary schools and I could interact with those kids and sort of really get to the bottom of why 
kids were getting turned off PE by the time they went to high school. So I felt that was a real passion. And then I had a bit of a, a bit of a near death experience. It was a near death experience. It was, um, you know, hideous to be fair. I, I ended up in intensive care after, um, after a wolf run. So I did a wolf run in 2013. Yeah. Um, really like, excited. They're exciting, like proper mads. I don't know if anyone's, have you, either of you done a wolf yeah, run? Yeah. This I've isn't to put a, you up. Yeah. I did the tough, the tough mother run, you know, the one in, they have in the Midlands. I've done that. It's a similar thing, I think. I, I haven't done that, no, yeah. and I don't think I will be. So. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put you off there. I promise. I promise. Yeah, I, I might be, but but this isn't to, yeah. to put people off doing warfarins. But basically, I did a warfarin. Um, I got a tiny cut on my leg, um, that I was kind of almost showing off about. I was like, look, I've only got that cut, and everyone else finished with loads of cuts. So you have to scramble under nets and go through lakes, and it's a 10k off road off road run basically. Um, and two weeks after I finished, this cut just suddenly started to go a little bit red and within to put it into context I went for a run on Saturday morning and by Sunday evening I was in intensive care so I was absolutely wow. fine asymptomatic as they suggested you know okay maybe an infection in my leg but just so quickly just went rapidly downhill and just suddenly was in intensive care and basically it was, it was a it was a something called necrotizing fasciitis which is like sepsis but a little bit worse like a flesh-eating bug so oh, it goes wow. into your system, starts attacking your organs. So, yeah, kind of found myself in intensive care, um, losing, basically fighting for my, my life. My leg was going to be gone. They had signed to say that they could cut my leg off. There was an, people say, like, did you think about that at the time? I was like, absolutely not. I just needed to get home to, the, to my boys and needed to live with them. So kind of, you know, said, well, Olympics is next if, if I've got one leg. That's, we could do that. But... Yeah, it was it was awful that that was going to go. But luckily, um, a microbiologist saved me and, and said, "Look, give her twelve more hours because I think I've got this culture growing. You know, it's really top end medical stuff. Um, we think we can find the right antibiotic. We think we can find out what to do." And that guy sort of saved my leg. I, I remember the five oh. consultants at the end of my beds. Like, honestly, you, you feel that medical know everything, and obviously with coronavirus and everything now, you, you know it's a bit more obvious that they do have to like speculate and guess and, and, and try and figure things out. And it was literally these five consultants at the end of my bed, just deciding whether I was losing my leg or not and, and whether I was going to live or die. And I remember it vividly. So yeah, so that, that was pretty crazy. And, and they told me when I came out of intensive care that my heart had saved me, like basically because I'd been so fit, I hadn't had a heart attack and died before I got to hospital. Yeah. So Whoa. that was impetus to, start Diddy Rugby because I wanted to make sure that everybody that possibly could know about staying fit and healthy and active and getting involved in, in activity needed to know about it. So that was my massive inspiration to, to do it. Wow, what wow. a story, eh? That's, that's, that story's not been told, I don't think, either, Mac, is it? You know? Wow. I it's, um... no, no, I didn't cry. No. I normally do. Sorry. Oh, that's, that's really that's good. Really inspirational there. Whoa. That's, um, no wonder yeah. you've um, done so much with your life and, you know, you continue to do so. You're just, you're such an inspiration. You really are. Uh, LJ and I said that. So there's so much yeah. more to chat to you about. So LJ, crack on. So I know you've got another question. Yeah. So um, what would you say since setting up the business, setting up Diddy Rugby and now Diddy Sport as well, what would you say has been your biggest learning since set setting up the business? <clears throat> 
so many things to to I as when I started the business I was a teacher a coach and I had no business experience I'd not ever done anything but borrow a bit of economics I think back at school maybe um I'd done nothing at all so for me it was about um following my dream following my passion but making sure I'd got the right people around me that could support me I had a really good friend in, in Matt Crop, one of the directors on the on the business that kind of said to me look you've got such a great you know product here you know from a, that's a businessman talking you know you've, you've really inspired so many people why why don't you want to take it bigger why don't and he kind of guided me and coached me through it and you know we started off with eight children in in this little class in Hinkley um and you know within three years we're over four thousand children nationally so he was yeah. totally right but I needed to have confidence in in myself to be able to do that so I suppose in a nutshell, I, was, I needed to um, surround myself with people that could support me. So Matt Crop, my, my mum, who's retired quite um, recently from her own career in business. So she really, really stood by my side and supported me. I think she did once she realised that how much teachers earn, she went, yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> I think she thought, why do you want to leave teaching? Why do you want to leave this solid profession? And then she went, really? Oh, that pain's not increased for about 10 years. Yeah, let's do it. So she, uh, she jumped <laughs> on it and helped me out. <laughs> um, so she was great. Um, but yeah, it's, for me, um, it, you know, realising that you can't do it all on your own and using your own expertise and guiding other people, but bringing people around you that can help you and support you. It's all, all about the network that you've got around yeah. you. I'd say that's my biggest biggest take home on, from so if that's your biggest take home, like the, the support network around you, is there anything, well, I maybe can guess what you might say, but is there any advice you'd give to anybody that wanted to do something like this themselves other than just go and do it? <laughs> well, definitely. I, I think, um, you know, I wouldn't have believed looking back, you know, that I could have done what I've done. But I think it's just having that confidence and that belief in yourself that you can you can do it and why can't you? I think it's almost like you, you get to that point where you say, well, if I can't, why can't I? And I think if you question yourself as to why you can't yeah. do something, if you can't answer that, then you can do it. Yeah, so yeah. nothing's impossible, yeah. you know? So I think it's just, it's definitely a mindset thing. You know, times get really tough and you've got to work really hard. I'd say that's a, a major thing I've, I've learned. But I think that was my mindset anyway. I was always so driven to want to, you know, I needed to get my cap for England and I had a lot of setbacks along the way for that. You know, I, I got dropped quite a few times before I got that first cap. I was dropped from the 2006 World Cup and that made me resilient and bounced back to get the rest of my cap. So I think my history and the way I've my life's panned out, I've, I've had a lot of knockbacks. And for me, that's built my resilience and built my personality and that's enabled me to do it. So yeah. with the business, there's been so many times where, you know, it could, it's got really hard and I could have just said, oh, I'm not doing this anymore, but there's no way something inside me says, no, I'm going to get back stronger. I'm going to get better again and I'm going to learn from it. So I think resilience and your network and your confidence, I'd say, if I had to be three things. Yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Um, Maka, that's just some great tips and some great little nuggets there. Your enthusiasm, just as a player as well as a person I've known you from before, just comes through. That's an incredible story you've just told there about yourself. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me one bit. I can just imagine you when you were in that intensive care, just really fighting and getting, get, getting through that, which is what you've done. Just fantastic. And to any young girls listening out there, you know, I think one of the things we found to all the guests we've taught me and LJ is that every single person has said about how hard they've had to work. And it's, it doesn't yeah. just happen 
and things don't just happen. You have to put that work in. But I think the big, big nugget there is that network around you, that support network. So when things do go hard or are tough, you can keep fighting through and talk to those people to get that advice to push you forward. Um, you know, just brilliant to hear. And it's great to hear about your mum as well. She sounds like a real character. <laughs> I've never met her, but she sounds brilliant. Um, yeah, she's, she's great. Oh. She's in my rock for it all. <laughs> oh, bless. Well, I'm sure you are to lots of people as well. And um, just, just talking, because obviously as an ex-teacher myself, um, you know, when you think about um, Diddy Rugby and the impact you've had on the young children, we talked a little bit about that because you yourself has, have a really varied sporting background, tried loads of sports out when you were young and excelled in them as well. But, um, you know, some of which you would you would have found hard as well. But to any young kids listening, you know, what, what do you think the impact has been of Diddy Rugby on those youngsters? this is so important to me you know it's so simple for me um when i come away from a session um if the kids have got a big smile on the face so there's basically some rules with diddy rugby the two rules are they have to have a smile on the face and they have to have the listening ears on and for me it's so important to see if they're smiling they've done some physical activity and they've developed in one way just throughout the session for me that's massive and I think the ripple effect that that then has on their family, so the family's well-being, the, the, the parents psycho- psychologically have had a great experience with their kids, they go and tell someone else. And I just feel like, the, you know, the ripple effect just goes and goes and goes because, you know, you can't underestimate how important it is to have that one-on-one time with kids, you know, yeah. now and you know, getting out on technology all the time. We're like that, you know, their phones are away. They're spending 40 minutes, 45 minutes quality time with their kids you know, the kids are getting something out of it. The parents are learning something from it. And, you know, I feel like we're educating parents. As a teacher, like you say, Bird, a lot of the time, you know, you, you have a few battles with kids and, and, you, and then you meet their parents on parents' and you think, you know, bless you, this is why, you know, you've got these barriers because your parents have had the same experience, you know, and they're passing it on to you. And for me, it's about breaking that, breaking that mould, breaking that cycle, if you like, of people that are put off physical activity, put off rugby, put off, you know, things that are actually good for you. Um, so making it fun, engaging and exciting, you know, can just break down those barriers of people. You know, we get parents that finish a session and they're like looking at, oh my God, I've done like 40,000 steps. And it's like, yeah, did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a good time. Amazing. They even enjoyed physical activity. Yay. So <laughs> It's nice to do that. And I feel that that is so important. And if we can change perceptions and change the way people feel about themselves, their body, their mental well-being, you know, we're on to a winner, really. 100%. And there's, you know, there's such a massive drive at the moment, especially with COVID on that, you know, physical activity, getting out there, doing activity and to see the parents engaging with the youngsters as well is just brilliant and teaching them how to do different things. And what kind of what do you think are the most important skills to develop when you're working with young children? fundamentals so fundamentals of basic movements um you know people sort of say to me you know they'd say rugby kids 18 months and they just can't get their head around it and then they'll look at a video of a session or they'll come to a session they'll see and they're like ah you know i get it and it's a multi-skills base you know we're using we're using rugby as the tool but you know that's why we're now using cricket as a tool and we're using basketball as a tool because at the end of the day with my PE teacher head on you know kids shouldn't be specializing in something you know 18 months of course they shouldn't but what they should be doing is being able to learn to use their bodies you know practicing agility balance their physical literacy how they move how they respond to others socially their confidence and it's it's a whole engaging spectrum of you know we we very much at Diddy Rugby follow the EFYS so the early foundation stages of learning so 
you know, there's seven stages and we tick all those boxes. You know, if we're in a nursery or a school or we're, you know, engaging with parents, we're helping them develop through that pathway. So it was very important to me that Diddy Rugby wasn't just um, an activity for kids to just go and have a bit of fun, you know, parents just to get on the phones and be at the sidelines. I really wanted it to be a, an educational experience, but fun, engaging education experience where, yeah, we are ticking the boxes that we need to tick. Yes, we need to be able to all the things that the government say kids need to be able to do but and well at the same time yeah and if if anybody's never watched the sessions i mean just click on and have a look at um some diddy rugby sessions google it they're absolutely brilliant i've, I've had the pleasure of being at a couple and you know the enjoyment like you said from the parents and the kids is just phenomenal to see them doing those different skills at that age you know with the little rugby balls as well and it isn't just about the rugby like you said it's developing their physical literacy their movement patterns it's just brilliant so so get on guys and have a look we'll add the link at the end yeah. of this pod as well for you guys to watch and then um, but i just want to touch on the fact it's not just the parents and the young young um, children you're developing their skills but also you're giving opportunity maca to loads of um, young coaches as well so talk us through that because I know um, Gloucester Hartbury, myself and LJ worked there um, as I still work there but um, when we were there some of our young young girls our yeah. young players were taking part in some of the Diddy sessions so talk us through that as well um, you know and I, I keep sort of starting to pinch myself and say yeah we're ma- massively having an impact on everyone and that was my whole passion my whole vision was you know, how can we have one tool, Diddy Rugby, that can impact on as many people as possible in a positive way? And coaching was simply one that was was high on my agenda, obviously. So the coaching pathway that we we help and support with is we bring in assistant coaches. So, you know, children, children that I used to teach actually when we first started. So a lot of my ex-pupils um, came to me and said, oh, you know, I want to be involved in this, which is great. You know, they were 13, 14, 15, doing Duke of Edinburgh, doing work experience at school, and they really wanted to come and learn. So they came into that assistant coach role. Assistant coaches then developed into coaches, head coach roles, and um, where they had the confidence then to lead the groups and lead the sessions. And then, obviously, we've had a couple of examples now of head coaches that have developed into franchise holders and franchisees that now are running their own business as well as coaching. So for me, it's like a re- I see it as a really nice, complete pathway of children getting something out of it, parents getting something out of it, coaches developing through it, um, with me at the helm, I suppose, being able to guide and lead that leadership programme. Um, you know, we have online Zooms where, you know, and, and meetings when you're allowed, <laughs> where everyone comes together and we share good practice. And for me, it's just about developing people and developing their their coaching, you know, to suit them and, and to really, you know, get what, what what's their why? Why do they want to do it? They love kids. They love coaching. All those reasons. Great. Well, let's get that and make it tangible and make them do something with it. And, and you know, I'm really privileged to, to be able to support people now be and, and be able to get them on that coaching pathway and, and you certainly have I mean you've done an amazing job you know and I know you get embarrassed like talking through all your achievements but you know like you said when you do you do something and you read back through it you know you're achieving so much back when you're giving so many people an opportunity it's, it's just brilliant to see um and I just want to ask you now just one question before I know Algie's desperate to get on there mm. back on there now is what because I always this always cracks me up when you're working with young people there's always something what is the most amusing moments you've had when you've been working with young children oh don't, they always say don't work with animals or children yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes a little bit like dog agility at our session. oh no do you know what there's so many um lovely moments um funny moments yeah just you know <laughs> 
it's like it's making me laugh thinking about it <laughs> just one of the sessions where the kid <laughs> so we, we pretend to be i've actually lost it we pretend to be animals sometimes um yeah. and we we pretend to be you know so they're like kids are being lions they're being tigers they're being elephants so they're learning how to big, do big steps and then they're little mice and they're taking small steps and one of the kids then just adamant all session that he was going to still be an animal so you know i think he was about two and a half but through the whole session he remains an animal yeah there was no movement away from this animal he was a he was a puppy for the whole session so oh. he was trying to get the ball in his mouth, picking it up. <laughs> but I'm a puppy. Vicky said I'm a puppy. And I was like, yeah, you, you crack on and carry on being that puppy. But honestly, and his parents were so like almost embarrassed, but just went with it. And all the other kids had kind of moved on to the next activity. And then there's a little kid just, I'm still a puppy. Well, that's fine, you know. And I, I think that kind of sums up our sessions because a lot of parents really stress. And as a parent myself, you know, you go to sessions, oh my gosh, my little Johnny's not doing what he should be doing. And really stressful one thing I wanted to make sure parents and kids understand is that anything goes you know we are not you know children are children they play they play up they cry they need to eat whatever it is it doesn't matter it's like we're here to learn to develop to play to engage to have fun but if little Johnny's having a little stress and he needs to go and stand, stand and cry in the corner for five seconds that's fine you know and I wanted people to feel comfortable in the environment because I know personally from a parent's point of view that I think LJ's nodding as well yeah. it's really really hard when you feel really stressed like everyone's looking at you so that's a massive thing that I talk to all about the coaches it's about making parents feel comfortable making coaches feel comfortable um, with you know kids are kids it's like kids and animals they, you know they do whatever yeah, Pat, <laughs> Pat, Patrick's the same. He um, he literally, if you ask him to be an animal, he doesn't break character for a long time. He spends a lot of his life on all fours. He like runs around the house, runs around the supermarket, runs around the park in on all fours. He can actually move really well. It's really really depressing because I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could move like that. <laughs> Mm. core stability so we go with it you know like yeah. that. it's made me such a create creative coach being um being because because you've got to get into character and you've got to be able to develop those skills and those skills that adults you know find really monotonous like oh we're doing bear crawls well yeah but let's make it fun and pretend yeah. you're a bear you know rather than just like <laughs> and actually why why not why can't adults do that as well because actually you forget what you forget that your core's killing you and that you you're actually at the edge of your yeah. sanity actually it's yeah. fun so yeah. very true that's, um, that's probably a good um, link into our next point is, is there any similar similarities coaching adults to coaching children? Like, can you, do you find that you can use your skills when you work with either side? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a really good point in coaching and teaching. And it is all about being able to adapt yourself and the way you coach and the way you teach to your, to your environment. I know, I mean, both of you teachers, coaches, you know, people engage in different ways, kinesthetic learners, visual learners, auditory learners. But I think it's it's a whole it's a whole combination of everything. And I think you can have a child that you're, you know, you're on the same level as almost a 30-year-old adult or sometimes because that's the level they're at and that's where they need to be. Whereas yeah. the 30-year-old adult sometimes might need to be at that kid's level. And I think you've just got to mix it up. I, I don't think there's a there's a one, there's certainly not a one size fits all. And what I've probably realised the most is that you can get little ones really developed through play, but also you can get adults to develop through play as well. Yeah. And it's just such a it's just such a positive experience to know that 
you can adapt your your skills and you can utilize all those things that you're doing with a two-year-old actually into a, a bigger session as well if you I always talk to coaches you know when I'm coaching coaches and, and teaching them how to, to strip back all their skills and how to how to coach you know the real basics it's the same as coaching adults you know if you've got your hands ready for you know we we talk about catch and cuddle at Diddy Rugby so I'm, I'm using a bottle now so catch and cuddle cuddle it give it a cuddle but when you're teaching a, an adult you know maybe a fullback in a prem 15s game so making sure they're keeping their eye on the ball and they're you know holding their arms up right in the air and they've got to leap up in the air and you know you can tell them they're catching and cuddling the ball as yeah. well so if you think about those extremities like you've got a two and a half year old that's playing with their mum on the floor and they're catching and cuddling their teddy and you've got like you know Emily Scarra standing at fullback 15 for for Loughborough Lightning and she's getting up, up at her feet she's grabbing up in the air and she's got to bring that ball down and cuddle it tight same thing same principle so there's so many things across mm. the board that actually are very 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 similar when you break the skills down um, and I think that's something I probably knew innately anyway but I've certainly been able to explore and develop that throughout um, the process of Diddy Rugby and, and I think it's really helped me as a senior coach as well and a, a coach of teenagers <clears throat> because being able to strip it back to that basic level actually rugby is a simple game and, and we should see it like that yeah I definitely uh, I definitely know that I did a lot of um before moving down here when we lived in the southwest um before working at Hartbury I did a lot of PE teaching in primary schools and I used to have to come up with so many different games just to you know keep the the, the children engaged and I'm, <laughs> I honestly use some of those games now when I'm coaching at our at club just this is an energizer or if it's a warm-up or skill sessions where I know the girls are a bit tired and fatigued and just want to get a bit of energy into them so there's definitely definitely crossover I've personally seen it and used it so yeah. I think it is really yeah, yeah. important yeah. and it's the energy and you know you guys you know you're both amazing coaches and it's just you're like a mirror image and I, I, like, I talk to coaches about this being a mirror you know if you if you mirror they're going to mirror your behavior whether that's children yeah. adults yeah. animals whatever it is they will mirror <laughs> you so if you've got that energy that you know outburst that character then you know not all the time there's times when you've got to be a little bit you know more sensible I suppose and a bit more static but actually yeah. to mix it up and to engage people that's the way you've got to be and it's tiring but if you do yeah. it you have a good time anyway so it's the yeah. <laughs> win-win really win-win how um just moving back into the Diddy rugby sessions how might uh, a session so if that is an 18 month year old or two year old come and a six year old like or five year old how might that session look differently for those that age group we've got um, a structure where we call it um, I don't know how we came up with the name oh we did, yeah I can't remember how we came up with the names but it's Diddy Mini so 18 months to three is called Diddy Mini yeah juniors three to four and seniors four to six. An overlap of the ages because we do, you know, when children are ready to move to the next stage, they move to the stage. It's not age relevant, you know. Yeah. Yet there might be a six-year-old functioning, a, a you know, two-year-old's you know practical ability, and that's fine, you know. And we're we're fully aware of that, so we like to have that sliding scale. But in terms of differentiating between the children, you know, our classes have quite quite a, a, a firm structure in that we have a warm up, a skill bit, a games bit, and, and an obstacle course at the end that incorporates all their activity. So it's very very, and our mantra is pace, variety, challenge. So within that four part structure, we have that pace, we have that variety, and we have that challenge. So in every session, if you've got an eighteen month to three, so you might have a, a nineteen month old and, a, and then a two two year old or nearly three year old. You, you can engage them slightly differently by just challenging them like, like 
I know we're, I'm talking to teachers now, challenging by outcomes, so you can change the, the activity slightly by what you're asking them to do. So little Johnny might be amazing at his 10 passes. Well, little Johnny can do 20 passes. I don't know why it's always little Johnny. It always is, isn't it? But you can differentiate <laughs> within the session. It's always little Johnny. You can differentiate within the sessions, but also the, the, the stages that we're at, so that the three to four juniors, they work a little bit more independently. They're away from their parents. We're helping them to be a bit more social, a bit more confident. And then when they go to seniors, they're looking at that progression into tag rugby. So parents take a really back seat. You know, they're engaged in the session. It's almost like a preschool environment. So we certainly, yeah, the, we have, you know, we have lots of session cards, resources and, and so on, but it does make it, you know, in a nutshell, you can differentiate between the age groups just by the tasks that you're setting them in, in, in that yeah. environment. Nice. I, I love that mantra, pace, pace, variety and challenge. I think we could, could all take that on board in our coaching as well, you know, I love it. And then, um, you know, differentiation, like you said, is important. You do that in um, your skill sessions with, with our athletes where you've got different, different ability. So, so yeah, some really great stuff there. And you can obviously see clearly how learning takes place there. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. Your enthusiasm, honestly, it just makes you, I can just imagine what your sessions are like, uh, Maka. It's just coming through. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how successful you've been and, and you really have. And, and it's just, you know, how um, you've set up in England. How easy was it for you to take it overseas? I mean, you know, you talked about the right people to support you, but you've set up, haven't you? Quote and just just double check with you now. In New Zealand, you know, the pretty much the home of rugby. You said Diddy Rugby's there, it's up and running. Um, Italy and Australia. How how easy was that for you to set up and, and talk us through that? So um, I'd say, do you know what? Nothing's ever easy. So that's my, you know, my first point point on that. And as you, as you know, I'm sure you know, it's it's never easy. And I think you have to make decisions that that you know suit you at the right time. And and for me, I just had somebody out there that wanted to do it uh, in New Zealand. So I had a, a friend that moved over um, and, and emigrated. So you know, it was kind of like meant to be. I do believe in this kind of thing happen for a reason. And the fact that they wanted to to do that. I wanted to take that on. The Australia connection was again somebody I knew. So again, it's all about networks. And um, the Italy was actually Nick Scott, um, who RFU, who actually moved over to Italy on a bit of a comment through RFU. So all those three areas were, were through networks that, um, that had sort of seen what we do and how we developed. In terms of how easy it was to set up, do you know what? Because it's such a, um, a well-developed model now, we literally are just lifting up that model and putting it somewhere else. And, and if you've got the right people, in place you've got the people that, that know why they do it so they're passionate they really want to, to develop children they want to help grow rugby around the world that you know they've got all those qualities there's absolutely no reason why it can't work so in terms of it, is it was it easy no not easy at all but actually you know we've got the process to be able to do that so you know of course you've got things like you know your currency is different your times time frames are different your um language barrier so when i went over to italy i mean I, in so that was the thing we've done in new zealand we've done australia you know and don't get me wrong these are you know small pilots we've got to focus on the uk for the next couple of years before you know i can perhaps travel out there and make sure that we can grow them out there but i'm happy to have those small small functioning areas in australia and new zealand but in terms of italy we went out there on the sort of on the trip the you know to engage the club so it's colorno rugby club where we started it and my first session with them was just amazing because I suddenly realised, and I think I knew in the back of my mind how visual Diddy was and how um, inclusive it could be, but to be able to just rock up at Italy, pull on my rugby club with my balls and my kit and be able to 
put the session into place with very minimal Italian and I'm saying well actually I don't think I had any before the session I think I you know do a tray you know do a tray quattro cinco say yeah I can count to ten okay, check you out <laughs> and I quickly learned the colors and once I knew my colors and my numbers the session was rocking and you know we, we had a translator there but we, we didn't we didn't need a translator because actually the kids were just loving it and they were following what we were doing and and it just made me realise that actually language isn't a barrier and it shouldn't be a barrier. You know, we can we can lead and guide and help people through gestures, through signs, through actions. And, and it was yeah, it was a really powerful experience, actually. Um, so I was just mega chuffed to be able to get the Italy um, stuff up and running. And unfortunately, I said I wouldn't mention the word, but coronavirus has, um, has halted, obviously, their progress. But they got started and they've got their, their, their little members club going now. So hopefully we'll be able to step that back up again once uh, this is all over. Wow, and that's that's just the power of sport, the language of sport, isn't it? You know, seeing is doing, and doing is seeing, and you know, it's just it's just great, and that's that's what a brilliant story. And you know, I think it's incredibly exciting. You you've taken it out there to those countries, and you know, there's so many more countries now that are developing. You know, look at India, look at the work that's going on there. It's, it's wow. I just can't wait to see how it grows for you. It's just just fantastic. Well done. Brilliant. I just want to have a just want to have a really big impact everywhere and you know it's just my my issue is that as my team will tell me you know I just want to do everything and I want to do it now and I'm and they're pulling me back and I'm going and they're pulling me back and I think you always that's probably a good piece of advice you need somebody to pull you back and reality check sometimes because otherwise I'd be I don't know all over the shop <laughs> doing everything everywhere how um how have you adapted Diddy um through Covid like what have you been able to do or not do the franchisee network uh hq team diddy hq within 48 hours of coronavirus being a thing we were online we were zooming sessions we'd created new uh, pathways you know new adapted skills and activities to do when we were certainly not going to let it hold us back and and that you know that I needed the team around me to do that you know I could sit there and, and try and inspire and pull people along with me but I needed them to get on that diddy train I think we called it at the time but yeah we needed to, to make changes we needed to be innovative creative and we did all those things and you know we integrated the zoom system within like I said I think it was 48 hours we were we were all integrated so for me, it was then just right. How can I lead? How can I? I've got to lead from the front. You know, I can't be expecting these people to do this. You know, this is my job now. We've got to take us through this this rough period. So yeah, we just we just jumped straight on Zoom. All our sessions were completely interactive from the start, and it's it's quite interesting to see people sort of jumping on board now. And I'm just thinking, oh, I told you to do this ages ago. <laughs> you know, but it's it it just takes a while for some people to adapt. But but we were we were definitely one of the leading lights, and I'm really proud proud of us for doing that because. There was no, there was nothing else we could do, and we just needed to be adaptable to change and, and be able to to just all we needed to do was differentiate. What, sorry, differentiate and create, be creative about what we were doing. So yeah. then we followed the process through. So it was like we were on Zoom. Then we were allowed. I think it was six children on half a rugby pitch with yeah. And, and and the government. I mean, I just I went blind with government guidelines. That, you know, and me and my team were sort of like, well, what are we allowed to do? What aren't we allowed to do? And we were just always right on the money. What can we do? Brilliant. Let's just do that then. Right. We can do that. We're allowed to be outside. We're allowed to wear a mask. Now we're inside. Now we're outside again. Now we're back on Zoom. And it was just like, but we just went with it. Yeah. And it's been a, a roller coaster of uh, lots of emotions. But we've, yeah, we've, I'm really proud of what we've done. We've kept people engaged. Being adaptive, I reckon, is uh, what lockdown's taught most people, isn't it? How can the how do you survive? You know. Yeah, it's really tough. It's a tough time for everyone, and you know, I'm a teacher, and I've got my my kids at home, and I'm homeschooling, and trying to run a business, and 
you could look at it and just be so overwhelmed, but you've got to go, right, breathe, you know, take a step back. Yeah. I can control this. I can control that. Yeah. I can do this. And and that's day by day, step by step. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's in the same, same boat. 100%. Um, I just want to move away from Diddy a little bit and ask you what it was like meeting the Queen and receiving your uh, BEM. <laughs> I actually tingle that does. Um, yeah, it was so surreal looking back at that. I mean, you know, like sometimes when you, you think of like yourself in a film, like you yeah. think, oh, I feel like I'm in a film. It's not really me. Um, who's playing? Who's playing you? Who's playing you? Bits? I'm not sure. Uh, gosh, oh, it'd be nice. I'd love it to be like Kieran Knightley or someone, but no, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> love it, love it. But yeah, walk, walking through the gates. I, I remember me, me and my husband sort of being all dressed up in our hotel room, ready to go. Obviously, very early in the morning. Phil and I were sort of dressed up to the nines. No alcohol in our systems. It was a bit weird <laughs> because we were. Um, it was too early and yeah just walking through the gates at Buckingham Palace you know with lots of people sort of taking photos obviously not of us but taking photos of the, the, the Buckingham Palace it was just a normal day pre-coronavirus um, we went through the gates and we were just allowed in I was quite surprised I wasn't really searched or anything either it's almost like but then I remembered all the background searches they'd done for two years previously on me and um, you know <laughs> And they were, and, and all the, you could see as you were looking around, you could see people with ear paces in, clearly security was really high. So it was, yeah, it's just a weird position to be in. You know, I just felt uh, almost like I was floating through it. Um, but yeah, we walked in through the, the big gates and then went into the garden. And yeah, it was just um, very surreal, surrounded by just, you know, a few famous people I could see. And I'm like, this is just, this is just odd. This isn't me. And we just circled the garden a few times and, there wasn't really a lot else to do. I said, I think I said to you off air, there wasn't any alcohol. I think they used to have alcohol at Buckingham Palace. But I think somebody probably ruined it for everyone else because there was no alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got excited about the small little glasses that looked like Bailey's, but it wasn't, it was coffee. Um, <laughs> so, so, so there was no, none of that sort of, you know, that kind of, you would have a drink, chill out. Um, so it's very sort of, um, I suppose, the nurse were there, the edge was there. And then when the royal family came out, um, that you know went very quiet and we all had to line up in the, the way that we had to line up but seeing the queen in real life that's a moment I'll, I'll always remember and, and do my courtesy because yeah she did look amazing and I was like wow this this lady's like head of our country this is amazing and um, she just looked so young I just remember looking so young wow she's an incredible good, woman uh, good skincare regime I reckon <laughs> definitely been well looked after for sure <laughs> wow. Wow. But yeah, it was amazing and to, to get that experience you know I, I felt really humble you know it reminded me of you know why I was there and all the people that had got me there and I remember putting something on my Facebook I mean later on it was like this is just for everyone that supported me through this journey because you know I couldn't have I couldn't have done any of this without my husband without my family without my friends my coaches that developed me when I was younger you know I it just it meant so much for everybody um and that meant so much to me that everybody was sort of there with me if that makes sense yeah so yeah it was, it was a phenomenal experience yeah one I'm really um very lucky to have experienced oh, I bet it feels like a, a lifetime ago as well being able to actually go out and socialize with people absolutely like even thinking now like there was people around the gates there was like loads of people in a garden together and then yeah it was, it was a kind of weird situation to, to look back to now it's just not yeah it's just not real life at the moment but we'll get back there yeah 
yeah. it may be a bit adaptive it may take a while but we'll, we'll get back to those um proper social occasions which would be nice yeah. We will, we will. And really well deserved. I mean, it's phenomenal. Just what you've done. I mean, talking to you just for this hour, my God, you know, you've achieved so much and given so many opportunities to young people and others as well. So, you know, and talking about that now, just thinking just to, to sum up kind of uh, with the last question here, you know, what, what's what's your plans? What's next for you? What, what's next for you in your journey? It might not be with Diddy Rugby, but what is what's next for you? Yeah, I, I think for me, um, yeah, I just want to keep growing and developing as a person. Um, learning from um other coaches learning from people and and just just making a difference i think i i feel like i've you know i've had a huge impact with diddy rugby and and talking to you guys this morning reflect and think about you know what what i've actually done um for me in terms of taking it forward now with diddy sport um you know really creating that avenue for more and more people to access um you know physical activity with their kids because i know that's going to put them on a long path not a, a long lifetime journey of pathway of um good health and physical activity, which is, is close to my heart, as you know. Um, but for me personally, like I love commentary. I love, um, you know, being interactive with rugby in that way. I love, you know, um, work with the media. Um, and yeah, I just wanna, I just wanna work with people and I just wanna have more of an impact and grow as a person and, and enable other people to grow with wow. me. Well, you, you're a true inspiration, Maka. You yeah. really, really are. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm humble just listening to what you've achieved as well. And, you know, what's come through throughout this whole interview is your total commitment, dedication and enthusiasm, you know, just, yeah. just to help people better themselves. And, you know, just thank you. Thank you from, from, from us for all you've done and, and continue to do. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. We haven't thank finished yet, by the way. For, um, oh, OK. <laughs> That's okay. Well, five. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Oh, I like the quick five. I'll fit this. <coughs> so, can oh. I just say thank you to you guys for like just you know for just being the people that you are and and, and you know Lisa and and LJ just you're so inspiring in, in your journeys and you know I don't think you should underestimate the amount of you know power you're having and the 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 impact you're having on people through this podcast. It's been it's been phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Oh, Thank you. Making really us nice blush now. Should <laughs> 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 oh, we do the uh, the quick five? Yes. Vicks? Love it. Come on. Okay. You ready? You ready, uh, Vix? Okay. The first one is uh, running or cycle. Cycle. <laughs> definitely not. That, definitely not doing one of those wolf runs. Blooming heck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just not through mud. Yeah. <laughs> Um, next one is a full English breakfast, breakfast or porridge. Oh, mm. oh. porridge. Yeah, I just, I just don't like that heavy feeling in the morning. I'd have it, I'd have it at night. Oh, in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying both, but at different times of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I'd go for porridge because I have that most day. Well, every day, pretty much. But on a special occasion, I'd have a. A full English, yeah. Yes, bird. Or we call um, it a full Welsh over here. A yeah. full Welsh, yeah. Yeah, yeah lava bread as well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chocolate or crisps? Mmm. That's, that's a really difficult one because different times of the day. But I reckon if I was going to go for it, chocolate. Yes, bird. Um, G&T or a Prosecco? Ooh. No, Prosecco, Prosecco all the way. Prosecco, yeah. is it? Yeah, what about Prosecco. You, Prosecco. Prosecco. Um, 
And then the final one, who's going to win today, Ireland or Wales? Wales! <laughs> Mix, what do you reckon? I think Ireland might win, but I oh. would prefer, I'd prefer Wales to win just because of Lisa Burgess and also my granddad's Welsh, so I've got to go Wales. <laughs> Come on, Wales. Come on, the boys. Uh, Loving that, LJ. Loving that. <laughs> oh, thanks a million, Maka. Like I said, we'll... we'll um, for anybody listening out there as well, if you haven't come across Diddy Rugby, we'll put some information how you can access that. Because if you've never looked at it, please get on, check it out. It's a fantastic way for young children to improve themselves in um, general sports skills um, with a rugby ball as well. And just learning just naturally. So do please have a look on and we'll add that detail. So this is it for today. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, you know, we're going to keep having different guests on. We've got some great ones coming up. And if you want to hear more, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Maka. Thanks, LJ. Have yourselves a, a safe and happy time. And catch up again with everyone soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.